listening. Not killing his beat to do. It's the third win against the top ten. And the orange had him all the way. They didn't look into your heart. They didn't look into your heart. They didn't look into my heart. Three for the win battle. Bang! Boom! It's the orange do it again. The cardiac juice comes through on the road one more time. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us. Alongside Seth Goldberg, I'm Stephen Fonte. It's a Tuesday edition of Orange Nation. We are brought to you in part by Duntire. Full lines are open at 315-437-7644. We have just one guest lined up for you today. Our good friend, Matt Rowe, set to join us here in about 20 minutes. He heard our conversation yesterday, Seth, about Darius Baisley and uh, and wanted to chime in. He was tied up with meetings uh, yesterday, so we're going to get Matt Rowe on today to, to talk all things college basketball, to talk uh, Darius Baisley, to look ahead to next season for the Orange, and to talk a little bit about last night's national title game, and, and that's where we start. And I think we were afraid that it was going to be a lopsided game. We were hoping it would, you know, give us something juicy to talk about today. But Villanova went out and did what Villanova has been doing really all season long, and especially throughout these last three weeks in the NCAA tournament. Right on their average, won this game by 17 points. They won six games in this tournament by an average of 17 and a half points per game. Total domination. Villanova's the best team in the country. Villanova's the national champs. I'm, I'm disappointed they didn't get to their average. I mean, they the slackers, they couldn't get that extra half point. point. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I look, we had this conversation all year long. Villanova, if not the best team, was one of the two best teams hands down in the country, right? It was Virginia and Villanova that I, I think in both of our opinions was a step above everybody else. Uh, you know, it, whether whether that step was as big as maybe it has been in years past, I'm not sure. But those two were clearly the best team. So the fact that one of them won... Uh, should be wholly unsurprising, right? Like that. That should be sh- that. That shouldn't be surprising at all. That one of those two teams went out and won the title. The way that Villanova did it, uh, a little surprising, right? Winning all these games by double digits, beating good teams by double figures. Uh, you know that Kansas game was a blowout. The game last night was boring and uninteresting, and and again a blowout. And you know, I, I thought last night. Maybe I hoped yesterday afternoon. That it would be like seven to twelve points, not the fifteen to twenty-five that it was essentially the whole, you know, second half. Game was over early in the but, second half. Yeah, I, I mean, ever a, after the ten-minute mark of the first half, Villanova was just dominant. I mean, they went on a, a thirty to seven run the last eleven minutes of the first half. That's incredible. I mean, that's incredible. And and I think that when you look at what this Villanova team did without. You know the the star. You know the 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 surefire star. You know at the next level kind of a prospect. And I know Jalen Brunson was Player of the Year, but it, it seems like what they're doing and and keeping these guys for multiple years. And they start all juniors and seniors, and and they've built a team and a program and a culture. Um, it, it's incredible. We said yesterday that for Michigan to have a chance, Max at the very end of the show said, what's it going to take tonight for this to be a close game? And I said, Michigan's going to need to hope that Villanova misses some shots. Yep. And Michigan got its wish early on. Jalen Brunson was not Jalen Brunson last night. Went 4 for 13 from the field. And if you remember last night or yesterday, Seth, I said, you know, the problem is, is if one guy's off, someone else is on. And Jalen Brunson was off, and obviously Dante DiVincenzo was on. 31 points, 5 for 7 from three-point range. 
He's the, the sixth man in the Big East Conference for a reason. He, he plays like a starter. And, and that's the thing with Villanova is that you need everyone to be off. And the chances of everyone being off on the same night not are good. slim to none. And Villanova's best player last night did not shoot the ball well. Scored a couple of buckets early, then went on a massive drought. He was 4 for 13, and they didn't need him. I mean, they won by 17 points. They could have named the final score yesterday. They could have won that game by 20-plus if they kept their foot on the gas pedal. But that's the thing about this Villanova team is that, you know, you said that they don't have that bona fide star, and you're right. I mean, he is Jalen you know, Brunson's a he's great, a great player. college player, but generally, you know, you expect a dominant national title team to have an NBA at least one NBA the, bona fide NBA star. I wish I remember the stat, but I think it was I mean, it's it's every national champion back to the eighties. I want to say the early eighties has at least one first round pick on it. And and they thought that maybe it was going to end, you know, with that pri- the prior Villanova team, and then Josh Hart sneaks in and gets picked with the last pick of the first round. Bridges but, is going to be a, a first right, round pick, but, certainly. But the point being that you know it, you you look at national champions, and and typically they're led by that guy, right? It's it's that guy at the at the top of the class, and I I don't necessarily know that. I mean. I wouldn't say Villanova is led by Mikhail Bridges, as good as he is. You know, he might translate better to the pros, but Jalen Brunson's the guy that that leads that team. And and that's the beauty of it, though, Seth, is that they have so many guys who can beat you. And even when their best player isn't their best player, they still win a national title game by 17 points. You want a couple of of stats that that indicate how dominant this team was? I, this was this was my favorite that I came across. Villanova is the first team since blank. To win both Final Four games by 16-plus points. you have any guesses? Did you happen to see this last night? No, I didn't. Um, is it one of those Florida teams? It's before you were born. Oh, never mind. Uh, when you think dominant teams and programs in college basketball, you think of... Well, UCLA. UCLA. 1968. Villanova is the first team since 1968 to win both Final Four games by 16-plus points. What was the narrative all season long, Seth? There's not a dominant team in college basketball. And at the end of the day, there was. You want another one? Can I I throw out one? Sure, go ahead. Because I like this one. The last four years, right, they've won two titles. They've won 136 wins, an NCAA record for most wins over a four-year stretch, have not lost back-to-back games. It's pretty impressive. In a four-year span, they have not lost back-to-back games. I'm going to throw out another stat uh, that indicates their dominance. And you may have seen this one. I saw this on ESPN earlier today. So if you're watching SportsCenter, you may have seen this stat. But since the field was expanded, the NCAA tournament field expanded in 1985, four national championship teams won all six games in the tournament by double digits. Villanova is obviously one of them. The other three? I know the last one was UNC in 09. In 09, right. Okay, so UNC in 09, Duke in 2001, Michigan State in 2000. UNC that UNC team won the six games by a combined 20 or by an average rather of 20 points per game. Villanova Yikes. was second on that list at 17.7. And I guess this is kind of my point as we kick off the show today. If Villanova If the name on the front of the jersey said North Carolina or Duke, we'd be talking about that this was one of the most dominant teams in recent history, correct? I mean, you look at that Duke team in 2001. Won in six games in the tournament by an average of 16.7 points. So Villanova actually beat that average. That was a 35-4 and team. 
Shane Battier, Carlos Boozer, Mike Dunleavy, Jay Williams on that team. That team was really good. That team was really good. UNC <laughs> in 2009, they went 34-4. and four. They beat Michigan State by 17 points. Same spread in the national title game. Tyler Hansborough, Ty Lawson. One by an Chris average Duhon of twenty. On that team too. Yeah, one by an average of twenty point two points per game. That Carolina team. You're talking about Duhon and, and yeah. Duke, obviously. Why are we? I, I guess that's my question. Like, are number one, are we not giving this team enough credit? And number two, if that's the case, then why? Because we established earlier this week, we said Villanova is fringe. Whether or not you consider them a blue blood, I right. I said if if you're going to give me ten, Villanova's in my ten. Villanova would have been tenth on my list. Why do we not give this team the credit that I think they deserve? Is it because of the conference they play in? That it's yeah. a it's it's a watered down Big East? Is it because it's you know it's not a traditional power that we look at like a Duke or a Carolina or a Kentucky? Is it because I, I don't know like the it, the coach it's not it's not Kay or Roy Williams or Calipari but I mean well, Jay but, Wright's you know a, a, a darn good coach because, so what what's couple, the reason couple things first because you brought up Jay Wright uh, not no he's not Coach K he's not Roy Williams he's not Jim Beheim right he's not that older guard but that next group that next generation so to speak of Tony Bennett and him I, I mean they're in a class all by themselves right the two of them in that next generation of coaches. I think Coach, I think Calipari's somewhere in between the two of them. Well, and it's interesting that you you touched on this Jay Wright thing because it's one of the conversations I wanted to have today. Um, and so I guess we can get into that now. And again, we've got Matt Rowe coming up here in about ten to, minutes or so. To the other point, though, quickly, yeah. uh, I think it's because of the watered down Big East. I, I do. I, I think because four years ago when that conference broke up, I, I we didn't know what it was going to be. Right? We we had no idea what to expect. You know, I, I think you you know this, and and you know, sitting in the the press conferences in Houston. Um, people were asking Jay Wright. That was the second year of the, the the new Big East, right? And people were asking Jay Wright, how important is this to your young conference? Your young conference, it had been around for 40 years. How important is it to your young conference for you to be here right now? And, you know, he said, you know, it's it, it's new. We're trying to find our legs, but it's very important to, to get to the Final Four to win a national title. Um, you know, and I, I think because of that, because we didn't know what that conference was going to be, and now Villanova has come out of it, and not only are they in, an incredible team, but I, I think you can argue and, and easily argue better than they were before, right? Raising their profile, given the new conference. Uh, I mean, I think that's a reason why maybe we haven't done it. And the other one, and I think that this is something that people aren't necessarily going to want to hear or want to believe, uh, how often do they play on ESPN? It's a fair point. You play know, a lot of their games on Fox. They play. They Sports play a lot of games. Right. They play a lot of games on FS1. And you know, uh, I'm not saying that I don't get FS1. I do, and I can watch it. It is hard but to find, know, though. But you know what? My default channel right, for right. sports is. You're not used to you flipping. Know, oh, I'm going to see what games right, on Fox you know, Sports One tonight. You know what's on when you go to Tully's and when you sure. go to Shaughnessy's? It's a fair point. On so. It's a fair point. I, I think that has a lot to do with it. You know, I, I just I, I ran through their schedule, and you know they went thirty six and four this year, and I, I was curious to see who the losses were against. And I, I kind of sort of knew, you know, I remember they lost to St. John's. I remember they lost to Butler. Uh, the other two losses were Providence and Creighton. So again, it's not exactly like you know this is a North Carolina team, and oh, they lost to Duke and Virginia, and, right. and you know you look at the losses and Providence you say, hey. was okay this year, yeah. Right. But they they did go thirty six and four, and right. they, they they won their six tournament games by seventeen and a half points, and they were dom- you knew going into that game last night that in order for them to lose, they were going to have to play poorly. Well, and the, the incredible thing to me is they did, 
Like they didn't outside of Dante DiVincenzo, they did play poorly, right? Like they, they didn't play a good game. But this guy comes off the bench, and and I know it's not this guy. It's it's not quite Spike Albrecht, right? Like it's not quite Spike Albrecht. But I mean, he comes out and scores his career high in in the national championship game. Like you can't bank on that, right? And and that's why they won that game by the margin they did. That might be why they won that game. Period. That and I think we. We kind of gloss over how good defensively this Villanova team is, and we get caught up with the the offense, and for good reason. I mean, they're the highest-scoring offensive team in the country. But in order to go on that big run that you talked about, like, yes, you have to score points, but you also have to stop the other team. And you Seven know, points in 11 minutes. And that's, a, that's an underrated part of Villanova's game. I think, again, we get caught up with how good they are offensively, how well they shoot the ball. I love how well they share the ball and the extra passes that they make and how they, you know, there was a play last night where, where Brunson gave up what would have been a tough layup. He was in traffic. He had, you know, a, a big guy coming at him. He had just beaten his, he was a little bit off balance, but it was, I mean, he was in the paint. He was two feet from the basket. He passed up what would have been a layup to kick it out for a three-point attempt. Now, they missed the three-point attempt, but it, just, yeah. it shows you like the mentality of that team that it's, I will pass up a good shot for a better shot. And maybe that better shot, they pass that up to get even an even better shot. Right. And we saw that in the semifinal game. The extra pass, and then that guy makes the extra pass, and it goes from a contested three to a wide three. They bury it more often than not. And so while offensively they were a little off last night, I will grant you that, uh, outside of DiVincenzo, defensively, they they did what they do and they they held Michigan to seven points during that long eleven minute stretch and to me that was the difference in the game. Divincenzo went off during that stretch and Michigan could not capitalize on that fast start and Mo Wagner got off to the fast start and then Villanova had the answer and then they bottled him up. He ended up with sixteen points. I mean he he started like a ball of fire coming out of the gates. He was terrific in the first you know eight minutes of the game or so and then Villanova slowed him down and and as a result slowed down Michigan and. They couldn't make any shots, and and Villanova was able to pull away. We do need to take our first time out. We'll get to Matt Rowe on the other side, and then full lines will be open the rest of the way. Keep it here. Orange Nation just getting started on ESPN Radio. Live from Armory Square, this is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Hour number two of Orange Nation underway on ESPN Radio. 315-437-7644 if you'd like to check in. I I just want to make one thing clear, and I I think I've made it clear, but for for our listeners who kind of tune in and out, I just want to make one thing clear about this Darius Baisley thing. My opinion on the matter has nothing to do with the fact that he was a Syracuse recruit. Like, I'm trying to remove the fact that we're obviously close to it, Seth, and we cover the team, and that, you know, this impacts the team that we cover. And so I'm trying to look at it just from the outside looking in and just strictly from this kid, basketball perspective, and whether it was Syracuse or Kansas or Kentucky, does this make sense? And... The more I look at it, the more we talk about it, the more we have, you know, people on and hearing Matt Rowe's perspective and it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. No. Uh, it, it really doesn't. Uh you know, I I wouldn't say I was like all in on this like hey, good for him from the start, but my my opinion has has changed a lot and my, my view on this has changed a lot. I think in the in the 5 days since we heard the news. You know, I, I was kind of like, okay, like Let's see what happens. I'm uh, I'm intrigued. Let's see if this is kind of the the future, or whatever. Uh, but I, I don't know. I, I don't get the feeling that it is now, right? Like I, I don't get that feeling that 
you know, this is going to start some tidal wave. Maybe it does, but I think there are so many questions that we just don't know the answer to that to sit here and say right now that this idea of going to the G League is just going to start a tidal wave and an avalanche of players leaving college and going to the G League, like, I, I just, I don't know. I don't totally get it. Um, and again, to me, it's it's not about Syracuse. It's not about, you know, this team next year that had national title hopes and, you know, those those hopes have taken a hit. I still think they're going to be good. I mean, you look at, at some of these, you know, way too early expectations. You know, ESPN released one today. Uh, I saw one on CBS. You know, Syracuse is 15th in the ESPN one, 17th oh, in another. I seen that. Um, you know, and again, it was contingent on, on Tyus Battle coming back. Um, but as of right now, he's he's on the roster. You know, for and, the for the most part, you mentioned these these way too early top fifteens. For the most part, like I haven't seen Syracuse in these way too early top twenty five. I saw two today. I, they were in the top twenty. And I, and I don't know if that's because Baisley left. I don't know if people are just kind of sleeping on them. I don't. You know, I, I don't. Or, or they assume Tyus is leaving. Like I'm not sure what the factors are going into it. Uh, but you know, for the most part, I haven't seen them in. These top 25s, you know, I saw they were in one late last night. I wish I remember what it was. And and I saw they were on the ESPN one, you know, today. Uh, I think it was FanRag and John Rothstein that I saw last night. And then the ESPN one you mentioned. Uh, but, you know, other other than that, like, I, I haven't seen them popping up. Does that mean they're not going to be a good team? No, that's not, that's not what it means at all. Does that mean they're not going to be a top 25 team preseason? No, that's not what it means at all. Uh, but just on these way too early lists, uh, I think that this move has, has you know, proven to, to take a hit. And Matt said depth won't be a problem next year. I, I think he's he's absolutely right that you know even without Baisley, if Battle comes back, especially depth is not going to be an issue. Even if he doesn't, you've got Frank, you've got Jalen Carey, you've got Buddy Beheim, you've got Elijah Hughes. You've got, you've got guard, some options. You've got four guards there, and you can you know slide one of them down to the three if you need one of those forwards to come out. I think they'll be all right depth wise. All right, let's go to the phone lines. Uh, Jake in Syracuse next up on Orange Nation. Hey, Jake. Hey guys, um, you know I get why Darius Baisley made this choice. I mean, they're, you're selling jerseys with your number on it. People are making money on this, and you know it's it, it, it's not fair. That aspect of things is not fair. The video game aspect of it is not fair to these kids. I understand why he made the choice, but in the long run, I, I think a there, there's got to be an agent involved somewhere, you know, kind of in his ear. And exactly like you say, somebody drafts him. But they don't. They own his rights for a year. NBA, NBA teams are sending guys down that they want to, you know, groom to come up to their team who are going to be on their team, not necessarily a year, and then he's going to be eligible to go somewhere else. So I don't think he ever thought that part of it through. I mean, if you're a coach, uh, why, why are you playing this kid? Really? I mean, why? For what? You're not necessarily going to have him next year, so you want to play the guys that you do have, and. Um, just off what you were just talking about, I want to know um, if we're looking at draft transfers that, you know, big guys. We need another big guy to kind of come up the bench and, and spell uh, Speed Bay in percent. Thanks for taking my call. Appreciate it, Jake. Uh, yeah, I, that's the part of it that, that I don't get is that. That's been my question. That's been my question from day one, right? From the, from the moment it happened, I said. What incentive does a G, uh, does a G League coach have to play him? Even if he's good, I think minutes are going to be hard right. to come by for right. him. Right? What what incentive? To, well, if he's good, I think he'll he'll get minutes because ultimately, I think these guys want to win and and further their stock. But like, if he's just kind of like okay, like what what incentive do they have to play him more? I, I don't know. Uh, to the second half of that, the grad transfer thing, I think going in and asking for a grad transfer is tough. 
because I think most of them will want to play, and I don't think that Syracuse is in the excuse me is in the position to offer up or guarantee any minutes right now. Right, your backcourt is full. You've got four guards back there. Five if Tyus comes back. Your forward spots, at least starting wise, are spoken for with O'Shea and Mer- and, and Marek. And your center spot is spoken for with Sidibe and Chukwu. So I don't know that you can necessarily guarantee minutes to a grad transfer. I don't know if they're an attractive grad transfer landing spot. I mean, I think ideally, especially if Ty's leaves, it would be nice to add someone else oh, it, to the it mix. Absolutely would be. Um, and maybe you, you take a chance on a on a kid that that maybe isn't Syracuse material, but you just you bring in a body, you know, for that one year, and then again, it doesn't affect your recruiting moving forward. And, and I like what Alan Griffin said yesterday. He said, you know, we're not opposed to giving out a scholarship, but we're not going to rush into anything. We're not just going to throw a scholarship at someone. We're going to talk it through, and if it if it works for us, we'll do it. And you know, again. I think let's wait and see what happens with Tyus. Um, you know, to Jake's point, yeah, they're, it would be nice to add some depth up front, but they have two centers, and they've got, it, at the very least, two starting forwards. And, and to your point, you could slide down Elijah Hughes. You could slide down Buddy Beheim. Probably and, slide Frank. Nah, you're not doing that. On defense? Nah. Definitely. No. He's 6'5". No, you, I mean, you height-wise you could. You're not sliding your point guard down to the forward position on defense. Um, they did it with Benajay. That was different. I mean, he was uh, he started out as a forward. I mean, he was a smaller than he, I'm you know. Saying, well, you're not you're not doing that. It has happened. No, you're not doing that. You're not doing that. But to your point, that was not a good point. The other points were they, Elijah, <laughs> Elijah used Buddy Bear. Not, I'll, I'll grant you. you that. You're not sliding Frank Howard down to the, the back line on In defense. In theory, they could. Oh, uh, no. And Benajay was like, a, he was a more physical, like, Frank okay, is a guard. He also three inches on him. Okay, he Frank was also is, six foot eight, yes, not six foot Frank five. is a guard. Like, Benajay is like a small forward by nature. Fine. All right, let's take another time. I'll get back on time. You don't More even of your know phone where calls. to go. I rattled you. You don't even no, know where to go. <laughs> we, we got a phone call, but we're going to hold the phone call until the other side of the break. Keep it here. We'll be right back.